everyone, it's Maria here. And on behalf of Simon and I, I'd just like to thank you for checking out our podcast. Before we get into things, I just want to let you know that this is only part of our online mini service. To check out the full service and find out more about Everyone Church, head to our website at everyonechurch.com.au. Hope you can check it out and see the full service. But for now, let's get into the podcast. Over the next few weeks, we want to share around the topic of following Jesus. And this is so exciting. I'm pumped for it. And uh, really, it's one of our core values. It's it's the foundational core value for us, really. That is, we follow Jesus. We pursue Him. The very first uh, sermon preached in this church just weeks ago was about following Jesus. So we want to focus in on that. And we want to focus in on it. Um, through the lessons learned in the book of Colossians. Now, we texted out to the church uh, to encourage everyone to read the book of Colossians. If you haven't, uh, or maybe you haven't in a long time, I encourage you to read through the book of Colossians over the next couple of weeks because it's going to help you get so much more out of this series. Like, And we can all kind of stick with it together. Maybe you might want to listen to it a a few times or, or really kind of just soak yourself in it. And it's important for us to keep the pursuit of Jesus and the worship of him and the modeling our life after him really at the forefront of what we're doing, particularly during trying times like the ones we're in right now. Uh, And so we're going to start right in the middle of the book of Colossians just for a moment, and then we'll go back to the start. And can I just encourage you to prepare your heart, open your heart. We um, are a Bible-believing church. And and I believe that what's going to change your life and help you grow in the Lord is not my cool ideas and my analogies and metaphors and, you know, whatever. Uh, It's actually, no, it's unearthing the timeless truths in the Word of God and really looking at it. So I'm going to pray and we're going to open up our hearts and say, Lord, what do you want to teach us today through your Word? I, I guarantee you, if you Say to God, God, I'm open. And you read through the book of Colossians with us. By the end of this series, you are going to have a life change happen for you. Okay, so let's pray. Lord, I ask that you would speak to us once again through your word. I ask that you would anoint this uh, this message that I've prepared uh, with fresh oil. Lord, let it not just be uh, information. Lord, let it be impartation into what uh, we are doing in our everyday life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 to 8, it says this, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high sounding nonsense. (laughs) that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. (laughs) I love the book of Colossians. Just a a little bit about it. So uh, the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to a church in Colossae and and uh, we believe it was written somewhere between AD 50 and 60, which is only decades after Jesus walked the earth, which is pretty remarkable when you think about it in the terms of history. Um, and a little bit about the Colossians, it was a it was a trading city at a crossroads on a main uh, highway if you're traveling east from Ephesus. So it's kind of like a uh, an intersection of, of, of cities and they were known for uh, making fine garments, which is 
you know, kind of cool. And they were predominantly a Greek population, which is important to remember for something we're going to talk about a little bit later. But Paul was uh, in prison in Rome when he wrote this letter, we believe. And the Colossian church um, was founded by Epaphras and other converts of Paul's ministry. And it's important to note that Paul had never been to this church. He was just encouraging them from afar. Kind of reminds me of what's happening now with lockdown and online services. But um, I, but I'm not in prison. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm enjoying my beautiful spare bedroom right now. And it's cool because we're seeing evidence of a network of churches, right? Um, and th- they're encouraging one another. And, and, and the apostles, and, and in other books too, like James and 1 and 2 Peter, they're setting the record straight for people of who Jesus is and how we live for him. So, And that is the basic uh, overarching um, theme for this letter. And that is who Jesus is and how we live it out. Okay, and these this verse that we these verses that we just read is right in the middle of the book, and it kind of hinges those two topics. It starts off with "This is who Jesus is," and then we have these verses here, and then it goes into how we live it out, and it, and it encourages us right in the middle. Hey, you know this Jesus that I've just been talking about, uh, and we're going to talk about today. Let your roots grow down into Him. Continue to follow that Jesus, not some random Jesus, but that Jesus. And and this is really, really important for us to always remind ourselves around. And, and that is, in following Jesus, it starts first and foremost with Him, with who He is. And not just who I think He is, but who His Word says He is. It's about Him, and then it's about how I live it out. And doesn't that just sum up the Christian faith? It's about Jesus. It's about him transforming me and me living it out and him walking with me day by day. It's kind of like um, there's two aspects here. There's a vertical aspect and that's me and God, me and Jesus, who Jesus is. And then it's the horizontal aspect of how I live it out, like how I love my wife and kids, how I love my neighbor, how I love my enemy. And, um, and you know, in Matthew 22, Jesus is asked about, uh, by a, 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 an expert in religious law, Jesus is asked, what's the most important commandment? And he says this in Matthew 22, verse 37 to 39, you must love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. So we see this similar pattern. It's about loving God, vertical, loving your neighbor, horizontal, okay? And when Christians struggle uh, in their journey of following Jesus, it, it, it pays well to come back to these important things, okay? like who Jesus is and who he he transforms us into and who we are in him uh, and how we live that out and not get caught up in all the fringe stuff. It's like, oh, what what worship music's biblical? What's not? Oh, you know, and, and those things, they have their place where we talk about them. But let's not forget the, the just because it's basic stuff doesn't mean it's easy. We got to come back to those foundational things. Who is Jesus? What has he said? Who am I in him? And, you know, we just had a moment around communion. And we do communion uh, in remembrance of Jesus, of who he is, not just what he did. Like he says in Luke chapter 22, verse 19, do this in remembrance of me. 
following Jesus starts with who he is, remembering him. And you may start following Jesus at the beginning uh, because of what he has done for you, of course. He's done great things for us. Uh, But we all must come to a place eventually where we um, understand that we're following him, not just because of what he's done, but also because of who he is. And that's what I want to focus on today, who he is. So Paul, he's addressing this letter to the church in Colossae, and he's saying, this is who Jesus is. And and the reason why he's saying that is because the worldview of the the typical Colossian uh, person was, uh, there were a, a Greek population, and they ha- were influenced with Greek philosophy, things like um, Gnosticism, like where, uh, which typically Gnosticism means, um, you know, everything that is material, like flesh and bones and, uh, and house and food is not good, but everything that is spirit is good, uh, which makes the whole concept of Jesus, uh, I could imagine it would have been very hard for them to grasp. Because if they have this Gnosticism mindset that spirit is good, material is bad, well, Jesus is God, right? Spirit in a man, in material. It's like, what? Uh, like, that would have just blown their minds. And and also, um, from what we read uh, in, in this letter, it seems that the Colossians are, are allowing elements of their culture and paganism and, and their secular philosophy to combine with the truth that they were taught about Christ. And this is what we call, I'm using a lot of fancy words today, but they're important words, but uh, this is what we call syncretism. And that is where we combine ideas from different religions, different philosophies, and just put them all together. Um, And doesn't that sound a bit like what can happen today in the church? Is we start combining and diluting the gospel, the, the teachings of Jesus down with like secular philosophy and all this kind of stuff and just make this weird mix. It's like putting fruit in salad. It just doesn't belong there unless you're having actual fruit salad, yummy, yummy. Okay, I'm hearing the amens of all these people who don't like having slices of pear in their salad. Now, syncretism says everything is right. Uh, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I'm Christian on Sunday, I'm pagan on Monday. I'm, I dabble a bit in Buddhism on Tuesday. And then by the time next Sunday comes around, I'm back to being Christian. And this letter, um, although it's filled with a lot of knowledge and doctrinal information, it's very pastoral in heart. It's like Pastor Paul is addressing this church here and saying, hey, don't forget who Jesus is first and foremost. This is who he is, okay? He hammers it head on. He says, and let's read it in in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. This is how he uh, defines and explains who Christ is. So imagine, just put yourself in, in, in the position of someone who is um, from one of the Colossians who have this kind of different philosophical beliefs on different things. And then here comes Paul just hammering your worldview, just going, this is actually who Christ is. He says this in verse 15 of chapter one, it says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see. 
such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead, so he is the first in everything. For God, in all his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Wow. So let's just break this down. When Paul is explaining to these Greek, predominantly Greek people, this is who Jesus is. He, In those list of verses there, he says that Jesus is preeminent, meaning he is above all others. He's the king of all kings. He's incarnate, meaning he is God in flesh. He is the invisible God made visible. He's the creator, meaning like he holds all things together. Like even on a molecular level, he he holds gravity itself together. Like he is, he holds this iPad together. That is him. He's the creator in all things. He's the head of the church. So that means if you're like an anti-church person, you're probably going to (laughs) struggle with Jesus because he's the head of the church and he's the only reconciler between God and man. Then this is who Jesus is according to his word. And, you know, sometimes we can, uh, in church life, just throw around these really broad definitions of who Jesus is. Like we'll say something like, you know, Jesus is love and he is love. Absolutely. He is. I'm not, I'm not denying that he is. But sometimes in our broadness, like in our broad terms of Jesus, uh, we end up being really vague and we end up kind of uh, Jesus just becomes this wishy-washy personality that just floats around and we don't understand and have a real biblical grounding of who Jesus is. We need to be reminded from time to time just how mighty he is just how awesome he is, just how exceedingly abundantly above everyone else he is. And this is Jesus. This is who we pursue. This is who we worship. When we're singing songs, we aren't just singing to some like, uh, you know, like, uh, like deity up there. No, we're singing to Jesus, the almighty one. And let's not uh, get confused when we see God and his accessibility and his grace and how he reaches out to us. And let's not like confuse that and, and think that somehow because he's more accessible, he's like less holy. No, he is holy. He is to be revered. He is to be lifted up and, and he is to be honored. Yet he is still humble. He still serves us mere humans. Amazing. How amazing is Jesus? This is the Jesus we follow. In the book of John chapter one, right? The very first verses, which which we believe was written to a bit of a Greek audience as well. Uh, John says this, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. Who is the word? It's Jesus. He is the word. 
He is the word. And there's a real strong emphasis in, in the early writings in, in church history of, of this is who he is. He is God. He is the son of God. He is, he is God in man. He is, he, is, he is everything you could imagine he is and more. He is amazing, amazing. Who is holding your life together today? Who, who, is, who is holding your hopes together today? It's Jesus. It needs to be him. It needs to be him. And not just some flaky uh, modern version of him. No, him, who he is according to his word. Let's not allow our circumstances or our familiarity to cause us to lose our awe and wonder of who he is, of how amazing he is. You know, we can see imagery of of Jesus on the cross and he looks so frail. He's not like that anymore. He's mighty. He's he's to be honored. He's to be revered. Amen. You know, I take uh, Elliot out this time of year and now I take Roger as well. Uh, when the sun sets a bit earlier, uh, I take them out the front of my house and I show them the stars from time to time and the moon. Uh, Roger loves seeing the moon and pointing it out and saying, moo, moo, you know, and it's amazing when you take a little kid outside to see the stars for one of the first few times in their life because they look up and they are just like, whoa, like they just, they can't look up high enough. Their head just keeps tilting back. They just can't fathom it. It's like, whoa, how amazing, how wondrous is this? This is Look at all that twinkle, twinkle little star song we used to sing is actually about these things up in the sky. You know, the other night we went and took Elliot outside to look at the, the super moon. It was this big moon. And literally we're standing there and this shooting star shoots down the sky right in front of us. And I said to Elliot, did you see that? He goes, yeah. I go, that was a shooting star. He was just like, whoa. And, and he just full of awe and wonder. And you know what? We need to be filled with that kind of awe and wonder when we think of Jesus, when we look upon him. And sometimes we can just grow so familiar. We, our, our, our thinking of Jesus can be a, a bit like my kids when they think about Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. It's just some song we sing. No, he is amazing. He is awesome. And so back to Colossians, Paul had listed, this is Jesus. This is who he is. Be in awe of him and how great he is. And then he says this in, chap, uh, in chapter 1, verse 21. He says this. This, all of this stuff I've been talking about, how amazing Jesus is, this includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Come on. So this amazing, holy, preeminent, incarnate, head of the church, creator Jesus calls you? and calls me into his presence to be in friendship with him, to follow him? Like, whoa, 
like seriously whoa like this is amazing this is the jesus that we follow and i wanted to start this series looking and gazing upon him and coming back to what his word says about him and over time we can just sometimes just it's like (laughs) the longer we're around church the more familiar we become with him and i don't want to be familiar with him oh man when i think about how amazing he is wow it makes me want to worship him and we're going to do that in just a moment but before we do Maybe you're watching today and you have not started following Jesus. Man, in hearing the things that you've heard today, I don't know how you could say no. I really don't know how you could say no. He, he loves you. This God who created you wants to know you, wants you to follow him, wants you to be in his presence forever. And if you want to start that journey today, I want to say a prayer out loud. And when I say the words are going to come up on the screen, if you're watching, and I'd love you to say this prayer to him. He, he's calling you unto himself. You know, he really is. And he wants to know you. He wants to walk with you. Come on. Would you pray to him as I pray this out loud? Dear Jesus, I pray to you today and I ask you to forgive my sin. I give my heart to you. I believe in you. I believe you came and that you gave your life on the cross for my sin. I believe you rose again. And today I receive by faith your forgiveness and friendship. I thank you that I will enter heaven one day to be with you forever. Help me on this journey of following you. Amen. Amen.